This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Now, an in-depth look at the news and information shaping our community. This is Moose Talks with your host, Doug Craig, on Moose FM. Good morning and welcome to the show. A little later on, we're going to be talking with Kathleen Dyke of the BC Conservation Officer Service about what happened recently when four bears were put down in Hudson's Hope because they were foraging in town. But first, as Russia's invasion of Ukraine continues, family fleeing, families fleeing the war-torn country have been coming to Canada and Fort St. John with no connections to people or place. Dan Davies and some Ukrainian people who are already living here have recently started or begun the process of starting the Northeast Immigrant Services Society to help bridge the gap. So to talk a bit about the society and the people they're hoping to help, we're joined now by Hannah Buran of the Northeast Immigrant Services Society. Hannah, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for inviting. Good morning, everyone. (laughs) Uh, So why don't we start here? We were kind of just talking about how the society um, is still kind of working to be a society. You guys have started kind of the work of becoming one. You've got some money lined up, but some things have, have got to happen first. But what what's kind of the goal of the society? What are you planning to do for some of the families who have come to Fort St. John from Ukraine in the past year or so? Okay, um, so we are here just because our hearts are filled with love of Jesus and out of our kind hearts, we saw that families are coming and they have no connections to anyone. They do not have anyone to say hi in their native language and Mm -hmm. uh, they uh, really are looking for communication. And uh, when they come, they face a very big difficulty, the language barrier. Mm -hmm. And uh, because they even... To go to a government and issue an ID or like to get license or to get social insurance number, they need to speak uh, English, uh-huh. and um, it, and uh, to help all these problems to get housing, to get uh, furniture, to get food, even where to go to buy groceries, uh-huh. we decided to um, form a society to help each other and to. Um, help people connect to each other because there are also lots of uh, Fort St. John Canadian families who are willing to help and mm-hmm. they do not know who to contact and where to who to help, like how to connect those people who are coming. Yeah, because as I understand it, I mean, people are, are fleeing, if I can use that word, Ukraine. Yes. They come to Canada. Uh, first of all, do you know, is that a decision that they make or is it they're leaving and they kind of... They go kind of wherever they can or where they're allowed to go. Do you do you know if what the case is with that? Um, it's okay l- if you don't. I was just curious. Lots of Ukrainian families uh, see it's not safe, and it is not safe, especially yeah. at some places where kids are sitting in the bomb shelters and uh, very scared of the noises and uh, having their loved ones out there in war and. They decide to to leave the country. Uh, it's it's like a must. It's not like yeah. out of their own will. And sometimes they even uh, have to uh, pack all their things in a big hurry and mm-hmm. uh, just leave the country. Um, with uh, sometimes they 
are not even able, don't have the access to their documents or something like to go back and yeah. pack everything. So they just leave and uh, we had problems with that. And then um, when they uh, come to Canada, they try to look for different friends, connections, maybe other in Facebook mm-hmm. where they can go to and uh, if they know someone or that could yeah. help them mm-hmm. just to settle, just to uh, get them from airport and help them find food and shelter. They are, that's why we trying to form this uh, society so we could uh, post our and announce our help out there in Facebook, on yeah. social media, so people can connect us and come especially here to this Fort St. John area. Mm-hmm. Just as I understand, in Immigration Canada, they help bring people here, but then that, that kind of ends once they're here, right? Then it's it's up to the family to sort of establish themselves, you know, here in Fort St. John, for example. So I did notice um, you guys put a poster up at the airport here yes. kind of telling people who they can contact at the society, for example, and where they can go for help, correct? Yes, because um, it's very dear and nice when you come and don't know uh, anything <laughs> where you're going to and uh, who is going to be there for you to help out, to read a sign in your own language and also in English and and um, to contact anyone. And mm-hmm. we have been called and or contacted that... Would you please meet us at the airport and help us find uh, uh, housing? And mm-hmm. it, it has been a challenge because, um, like, you have to have, like, references, like, your story, like, a, like a history of uh, being, having rents in yeah. Canada. And, uh, but some people were really nice and some companies, even Home 2, were providing some um, rooms for Ukrainian families for two weeks, but still that was really helpful to help set everything up like documents and some mm-hmm. IDs and some to help um, and also to to have this little bit more time to look for a rent. I see. Have uh, and I don't know how many people the society's been able to help yet because again, you're still mm-hmm. sort of working to become an official society, but has it happened or are you planning to somehow reach out to people even before they get here is is that going to be able something to that you can do to say hey we we know you're coming here's here's who you contact when you get you here we'll get you the airport from the airport we'll get you the hotel room uh here are some things you can do in town that sort of is that sort of the plan to to even reach out to people as they're even on their way to canada rather than they get here and well what's next we don't know is that is that sort of the plan you're just right. That mm-hmm. is our plan to um, to be able to have an office and to have a telephone and uh, mm-hmm. uh, a place like where people can physically come to. If, what if they get um, like a letter? They do not know what it's saying, or if they c- and especially uh, to um, have more people coming to Fort St. John, and we are hoping to accept more people here. Uh, it's very important for them to to know that somebody's waiting mm-hmm. for them. I see. Now, uh, you had said you wanted to make sure you say thank you. Well, uh, thank you to the many people who have already been trying to help and that you've started to work with and whatnot. I know, for example, I believe there's some Ukrainian language books at the library. That's something they've started in the last year. But you said there's many people in this uh 
community who've reached out, who've opened their homes, whatever it happens to be, to help the yes. families who are coming from Ukraine. Yes, from the bottom of my heart and from all of Ukrainian families. We just had a meeting yesterday because it was Independence Day um, yeah. in Ukraine, but uh, still we met and we said hi to each other and hugged and cried. But uh, so all of them said, Thank you so much to all of your people in Fort St. John who are, were very, very nice and welcoming, sometimes even saying, coming up and saying hi and welcome. It helps a lot, and uh, especially to um, schools and churches in Fort St. John who are very nice and accepting and loving, and also uh, one-on-one church and beautiful community over there who accepted a couple families of that were having kids of 10 kids, seven kids, mm-hmm. and they were able to uh, provide them food, shelter, and also work. And so to all of you, and also um, to um, Lori and Andy Ackerman, and also to Dan Davis and uh, Jen and Jennifer, like lots of, I cannot even say how many <laughs> uh, beautiful families out there who reached out and say hello and said welcome and brought us cards like with sunflowers or brought us quotes that would remind uh, us um, uh, skies over Ukraine or something like those special dear moments were very very um, warm and kind-hearted and it helped us kind of feel more welcomed Mm -hmm. and and also lots of people also connected and said, I have extra furniture that I do not need. Like I have a mattress, I have a bed that you could put your kit in. And that brought tears to our, to our eyes. And we were, we wanted to say thank you very much for all those help. And we really hope that we get a storage once we will be officially open and we mm-hmm. will announce that. Um, we will get a storage where people could bring their stuff they no longer need or they wish to um, to give to Ukrainian families and families could come and uh, get stuff from there because when you have a family of let's say five people or 10 or 12 even it's very hard to buy everything at once and mm-hmm. to get bedding food and all th- all the furniture and dishes and everything it's it has been a challenge yeah and I mean I I'm sure m- most people listening no one understand this, but people coming from Ukraine are coming with the clothes on their back, the money in their wallet, which is Ukrainian money or whatever it happens to be, and maybe like a couple pieces of luggage. That's it. They come here with almost nothing. And as okay. you say, furniture, a place to live, a place to connect with people. That's all very important, right? Yes. Yeah. And especially with the situation, it's not like people... They, this, they had a very normal and very nice life with mm-hmm. uh, their kids going to different schools and having different activities and uh, playing different sports and everything. And now coming and trying to adapt and uh, it was very difficult for them. Mm-hmm. It, it was such a big change, but uh, the most um, difficult uh, struggle that they come up to is uh, the language mm-hmm. and uh, Yesterday, also, some of the people mentioned that to say thank you to all of you who were really tolerant and really nice and patient and trying to understand what the person is trying to say. And they say it's very inspiring and motivating to continue 
speaking and talking, and also mm-hmm. we have a difficulty where um, we do not have classes of the English language here in Fort St. John during evening hours, only during morning hours. And thank you to Immigration Canada who gave us opportunity to work, not just like to sit on the government, but to work. And they are all working during day hours, and now they want to learn the language, and they cannot because uh-huh. so so we are still working on that because they, all of them are very hardworking, very eager to learn the language and uh, to be able to adapt in the society. Uh-huh. Some of them will probably return back because they have their loved ones back there and uh, to reunite the families because families were torn. Uh-huh. Um, so some of them are hoping to bring their families here and to stay here in Canada. Uh-huh. Wow. Um, uh, one more question for you before we go here. If someone's listening right now and they say, you know, I think I can help, uh, whether it's money, donations, if it's used furniture, if it's if it, what's if it happens to be whatever it, it needs to be. Um, you said the society's still kind of getting started up, but is what's the best way for these people to maybe get in touch to help out if they can or maybe wait until the society's kind of ready because you need these that needs to be kind of set in place beforehand what what's kind of your what do you say to that um so uh you can contact us on facebook as mm-hmm. of now we really hope we get a telephone and office so we could uh kind of outreach to more people yeah out there and i should would... say pardon me uh the facebook northeast immigration uh immigrant services society i Correct. did see you've got the facebook page yes. up and running and yeah. also we work with the northern light charitable association okay which is a church in 101 that uh would if you sent because it's already all set and everything. If you send money there, and they will transfer it to us. I see. Okay, okay. that was the Northern Lights Charitable Association. Correct. You said? Okay, perfect. Well, uh, Hannah, I really, ple- uh, really appreciate you coming by to talk to us about this today, and uh, I wish you good luck in getting the society set up. And uh, it's it's awesome work you you and uh, everyone is doing there. Th- thanks for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you, welcome. all Canadians. Thank you. <laughs> uh, again, that's Hannah Buren with the Immig- uh, Northeast Immigrant Services Society. We'll be right back to Moose Talks right after this. Welcome back to the show. I'm Dub Craig. Now we're going to talk a bit about bears. There was an incident recently in which uh, BC COS officers, uh, well, I guess that's in their name anyway, uh, they had to put down four bears because they were foraging in the district of Hudson Soap for fruit that was left out on the ground or whatnot. So we're going to talk a bit about that and how to keep yourself bear safe in your community with Kathleen Dyke, an officer with the BC Conservation Officer Service, joins me now on the phone from Chetwin. Good morning, Kathleen. Good morning, Deb. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Uh, so I think most of us know this story now, but I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about what happened. Um, as I understand it, these four bears were foraging within Hudson's Hope, and as such, uh, the service decided that we had to put them down. Can you kind of explain, uh, elaborate on that story, please? Yeah, thanks for asking, Deb. I think there was a bit of misconception around around this in particular. Um, I do want to take the time to correct that. Um, it was three bears. I three apologize. Bears in, that's quite all right. Um, three bears in the community of Hudson's Hope. Um, and just to give some background, bears are moving around in search of food right now. They're in a stage called hypophagy. So for July, August, September, they're eating as much as they possibly can. Um, the smell of, 
of ripe fruit attracts them, and they're moving through communities eating natural foods. Mm-hmm. And then they come across attractants like rotten or fallen fruit. They then come across unsecured attractants like garbage. When this happens, bears become food conditioned to non-natural food and show minimal fear to people, making this a risk to public safety. And in this situation, the result ultimately was to put down three bears in Hudson's Hope due to unsecured attractants, pulling bears, and keeping them in the community. So I guess my first question, uh, Kathleen, is at what point is that decision made that we have to put them down? I mean, can can the bear... get? I guess my question is, is there like a three-strike rule or something similar? Like if it happens once, well, that bear is in condition, but at some point, you know, this bear is just going to keep coming back unless we, we do something about this situation. How does that work? Mm-hmm. Well, with the CO service, we follow a matrix of, under our policy of, of what these interactions with bears, wildlife conflict with humans, looks like. Mm-hmm. Once bears are conditioned to non-natural foods, and show a minimal fear of people. They're no longer candidates for rehabilitation or relocation. They can travel long distances in search of these now familiar food sources, such as garbage or fallen fruit, making the risk to public safety simply too great. And that's, that's the key. The key is to secure and remove any attractants, to clear up any fruit, so that it doesn't become a public safety risk. Mm-hmm. And you say rehabilitation. Is that... What, what does that mean? Well, rehabilitation, um, you know, sometimes when we have um, young, young of the year who haven't had that introduction to a negative introduction to, to humans and to, our, to attractants like garbage, we can, we can send them to a facility. But oftentimes with the introduction to garbage and our people, it's um, more difficult to, to correct that behavior. And uh, we also wondered... Um, could the fact that there was a forest fire last year that maybe, you know, near to Hudson's Hope, for example, maybe push these bears to come closer to town? Or is that really not really a non-factor in what happened here? You know, Dub, I'd like to speak to that that fact, but, but certainly I think the fish and wildlife in our region will be better able to gotcha. understand that sort of movement. But mm-hmm. what I can say with this situation Really, the key was um, the unsecured attractants. Mm-hmm. Bears have a, a very keen sense of smell, one of the best in all of the animal species, up mm-hmm. to seven times better than a bloodhound. Um, having unsecured uh, fruit, uh, ripe fruit, fallen fruit on the ground, draws bears into the community. Hudson's Hope is a beautiful area full of orchards. So that really is to secure and remove all attractants. I see. So while the food's growing on the trees, I mean, the bears are uninterested, but this time of year it starts to fall to the ground. That's when they come out, and that's when people have to be really vigilant about cleaning up the fruit and making sure, you know, they take it inside or whatever they have to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. And, and you know, it, in terms of the abundance of Saskatoon berries and choke cherries, um, they're ripe as well. So they could still be on the tree um, and growing full and ripe. That gives off a bit of a scent, but yes, you're right. Fallen fruit that's ripening and rotten on the ground gives off um, a lovely sugary fermented smell and mm-hmm. draws animals in. Mm-hmm. 
Now, of course, there's not just bears in Hudson's Hope. Every once in a while, we hear about uh, bears near to Fort St. John and whatnot. So um, the people listening here, uh, w- what's kind of your advice for them in terms of fruit and, and making sure that we aren't attracting bears to come forage in the city and uh, leading to them, unfortunately, having to be put down? Yeah, really good question. Thanks for asking. The best way to help um, keep people and bears safe is to secure garbage and other attractants. Don't give bears an opportunity to linger and create conflict. Uh, wildlife conflicts can be reported to the Conservation Officer Service Report All Poachers and Polluters hotline. And that hotline number is one 952 7277 All right. Well, Kathleen, I really appreciate your time to talk to us about this uh, today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dub. Have a lovely day. You too. Again, that was Kathleen Dyke, an officer with the BC Conservation Officer Service. Our thanks to our guests, Hannah Buran and Kathleen Dyke, for joining me today. If you'd like to hear this episode again, or if you'd like to hear an old episode of Moose Talks, please make sure you check out the energeticcity.ca podcast page. You'll find past episodes of the show there, along with all episodes of Secrets of the North, Before the Peace, and Voices of the Peace archived for your listening pleasure. Take some time to listen to some excellent locally produced podcasts today at energeticcity.ca slash podcasts. That's our show. Jordan Prentice and Trey Lopashinsky are the producers of Moose Talks. I'm Dub Craig. Be well. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.